Hi there, I'm Keaton. Thanks for checking out one of our messages today. We would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way that you can do that is by texting River Connect. That's one word to the number 97,000. You can also head to our website, theriverchurch.cc, to learn more about us in upcoming events. Lastly, if you want to give to the River Church, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321 or head to our website and click the Give tab. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the River Church. My name is Jason Combs. I'm the location pastor here and just uh, excited for this morning and the Christmas season. If you have your Bible, we're in Isaiah chapter number 9. We'd love for you to turn there, Isaiah chapter number 9. As Roy said, um, Christmas Eve is such an opportunity for us, uh, and so I just want to challenge us. Too many times we can go, well, is that service going to meet my needs? Is that going to be at the right time or the right? Our goal is to, if you're a part of our church here, uh, it's such a great season that we can um, reach out to people. We want people to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to care for them. So we would love for you to take those cards, uh, invite people. You mean get out of my comfort zone a little bit? It's okay. Uh, we, if, if, if the good news of Jesus Christ has transformed your life, then, then it's got to be something on our heart that we want others to know him. And so this is a big part of you can use the season. We find that people are still looking for a place to go on Christmas Eve. And so if we can use that time, we'd love to do that. So here, 9, 11, uh, and 6 o'clock, know that all of you can't come to the 11 o'clock. Just know that, okay? We won't have enough room. Uh, but uh, so looking forward uh, to the next couple of weeks. Isaiah chapter number 9. How many of you have Christmas lists? Would you say, I, I have Christmas lists? Anybody have Christmas lists? My wife, she has Christmas lists because she's organized. She's the organized one of our family. But, but Christmas lists. And some of you, your lists get, like, they're out there. You, you have your decorating list in your house. We got the tree, and we got, we got the garland, and we got the village. You know the village thing? With all the, how many of you guys got those village things? You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh, uh-huh. We got one of those, or actually lots of those. Uh, and you have all, all the lights inside, and we haven't even got to the outdoor list of everything, of all the lights and everything, uh, our Christmas lists. But we know Christmas lists a lot of times go to gifts, don't they? You have your Christmas lists, or, okay, list of what we're going to get this person and this person, and uh, I have no clue what to get that person. Uh, and so we put together our list, and then how many this year have asked or been asked, hey, can, can you give me your Christmas list? Anybody done that? Anybody? No, we don't give any gifts in here. Okay, great. Well, in our family, my mother's love language is gifts. She loves to do it. So we like to give gifts. Maybe you don't like to. I, we like to give gifts. If you don't, that's okay too. If you do, wonderful too. And so, uh, you know, we ask, uh, she's like, all right, ask Silas what he wants for Christmas. So my son texts my wife and I a pro presenter, a keynote program with all of the things that he wants. No kidding. So I got it on my phone. The first like eight things are golf. I like golf shoes and then golf shirts and then golf balls and then golf. That, that is really what it is. Uh, but um, Christmas lists. This month, I think we're studying the best Christmas list. And it's found in Isaiah chapter number nine. It tells us the list. It lists off the names of Jesus. It's by far the best Christmas list. So let's read it. Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, 
to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This month as we focus on Christmas, our focus is on the list that we have in Isaiah of who Jesus is. That some 800 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Isaiah, the prophet, through the Spirit, tells us the truth of what will come. 2 Peter 1.21 tells us for no prophecy, right? The word of the Lord was ever produced by the will of men. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God. And last week, we took some time to give the foundation of Isaiah. But some hundreds of years before Jesus came, the word of the Lord comes to Isaiah. We have the scripture, God's word to us that says, the Messiah is coming. And as we read the the New Testament, the Gospels, as Jesus is born, we find that Jesus fulfills all of that prophecy. We find that Jesus, especially in the book of Matthew, if you're looking for where, how does the prophecy link up, Matthew is amazing at it because Matthew really focused to the Jews and pointing to, look, the Old Testament, see what it says is going to happen? Jesus, it's happening. So one said it this way, Jesus has the right genealogy, the right birth, the right baptism, the right success over temptation, and the right message. God had said that the one who would deliver us from the curse would come through the line of David, and Jesus did. God had said this deliverer would be born of a virgin, and Jesus was. God had said he would be approved by the Father. Jesus was. God had said that he would be more powerful than Satan, and Jesus proved that he was. God had said his son would speak truth, and Jesus did. And God had said that Jesus would have, or the Messiah would have, power over disease and death, and Jesus proved that he did. Here in our study of Jesus The best Christmas list, we see that Jesus fulfills the prophecy that the baby born is the wonderful counselor, mighty God. I love what one man said. He said, as he was, as he had wisdom, so he had strength. He has the wisdom to rule and the power to execute his plan. So this morning, as we look at this amazing list, the name of Jesus describing who he is, we're going to focus on Jesus being the mighty God. Let's pray and we'll dive in. Lord, we need you this morning. As we go to your word, 
Lord God, may I be a tool used by you to speak what you'd have me to speak. Lord, as your word tells us, may your Holy Spirit just reveal that truth to each of us. May you be glorified, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ we ask. Amen. So here it says, that baby born is the mighty God. As you look through the Bible, the Old Testament, over and over again, you see the might of God. Deuteronomy 10 says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and awesome God. Jeremiah 32, 19 says, Great in counsel and mighty indeed. Isaiah 40 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scale and the hills in a balance. Who's done that? Isaiah asked, because the only answer is God. Even as we, you know, as humans begin to have telescopes that go farther and farther away, we became, like, we're more and more blown away how massive the universe and then the expansion of that and going farther and farther and the suns and, and, and the stars and all of that. Those who study that are blown away how large it is. But we who know the almighty God know that he is the mighty God and we sit in awe and praise of him to go, look what God's done. Come and see what God has done. And so here when it says mighty God in Isaiah, I I want you to know here the word for mighty God, God hears the word El, that's the Hebrew word. It, It is the title of Jehovah, Jehovah. Some have taken this and said, well, Jesus is the hero or warrior. Now, now he is. He's the hero. He's the focus. But in our superhero culture, if we just put hero on it, we miss who Jesus is. Here, when it says mighty God, it's pointing to Jehovah, strong and mighty one, Emmanuel, right? God with us. Titus 2.13, waited for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is mighty to save, strong to deliver, great God and Savior. So if you come to church this morning and think, well, let's, let's put God in our little box. We're going we're gonna to put God here and go, okay, God, when I need you, I'll pull you out of the box. Can I tell you, there's no putting God in a box. We don't serve a little, puny, kind of, sort of God. We serve the mighty, creator, sustainer, powerful God that calls for us to bow down and to worship him. That's who we serve. And what I love about this is it talks about mighty God. Who's it talking about? The, the baby in the manger, the one, the one born in Bethlehem. See, it says, Jesus, he's the creator of all things, John 1, 3, by whom all things were made, is Jesus. You go Colossians 1, 15 through 17, talks about Jesus, the creator, 
As you keep reading, we've been studying lately, he's not only the creator, he's the sustainer. Hebrews 1.3, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Matthew 28, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus. So this morning and this Christmas, maybe we can slow down and go, no, he's the mighty God. This is who he is. So go with me to Mark chapter 4. Flip over there. It's one of those stories Jesus here on earth shows us, gives us a glimpse into the power that he holds. Matthew, or excuse me, did I, did I say Mark? I did? Okay. All right. Moving too fast. Slow down. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. The Bible says this, and I love to hear you turning. I always invite you to bring your Bible, open it up. The screen behind me, it's okay. I'd rather you dive in a word or bring your tablet, your phone. Just turn off texting so you don't get distracted. But, but to dive into the word. Mark four thirty five says, on that day when evening had come. So just to pause there, what does that mean? Well, it means... On that day, and we know of that day. If you read before this in Mark chapter 4, it gives us a glimpse into the difficult, exhausting day that Jesus had. That's why he says on that day. Well, what day? Well, the day it looks like began with the Pharisees coming to Jesus and saying, Hey, you're full of a demon. Your power doesn't come from God. It comes from Satan. That had to be a fun and easy conversation the religious people of the day. Just keep following that day. His, the Bible says his family comes and goes, hey, hey, Jesus, why, why don't you come home with us? What do they say? We think something's not right. Are you okay? Maybe you need to come home. And then he goes to the water and begins to teach broken and lost people the truth. On that day, you see Jesus, fully man. You can see him. You read it. Think about him becoming exhausted. Why? Because Jesus was hungry. Jesus was thirsty. Jesus was tired. He is a hundred percent man. So it goes on to say, Jesus says, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. So again, to give you a good picture, here they're on the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is some five miles wide, 13 miles long. It is way below sea level. So there are mountains. Studying this, there are mountains all around the sea. So what that does is that causes, for just to read you, gigantic funnels of wind that will come whirling down to the lake without notice. And that's what happened. You maybe you've studied the Bible some. You thought, well, wasn't Peter and wasn't it, so those guys were fishermen? Didn't they? They should have been able to take care of storms, or couldn't they have looked off and go, "Hey, those are some bad clouds. Let's not go on the lake." 
But it seems as you study these storms and the sea would come out of nowhere. So in the Gospel of Mark, he describes this as a giant windstorm. Luke, when he tells us the same story, uses the wording of, of a hurricane wind. And Matthew uses the picture of an earthquake striking the boat. What's Jesus doing? Verse 37, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, the back of the boat, asleep on the cushion. Is it interesting to you that Jesus was sleeping? This isn't like a little, hey, the boat's doing this. Jesus is, is resting in this thought here of God and man, Jesus like being smashed together, that, that Jesus is fully man, yet fully God. And as he is sleeping in the rest in the Lord, he knows all. He's powerful, but yet he's sleeping. At Christmas time, it's so interesting to, to try to grasp this. And I say try because I don't think our minds fully can. The baby is the mighty God. The baby who, don't listen to the song, no crying he makes, not, that's off, right? The baby. Philippians tells us, Chapter 2, a little bit about what that looks like. The Bible says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. One pastor said it this way, in this grand display of opposites of weakness and omnipotence, it did not clash, but coalesced in a harmony too magnificent to be a product of human imagination. Jesus, the mighty God, asleep on the boat. What happens? They come to Jesus and they wake him up. They get Jesus up. They wake him and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, don't you know what's going on? We're going to die. You don't care. You don't love. Isn't it interesting how often I can fall into that? Where there's a storm in my life. Something doesn't go how I want it to go. Difficulties come and so quickly I can go, Do you not care, Lord? Are you not the mighty God? Do you not have this? Again, one author says, It pains me greatly to see myself and the disciples. Jesus has proven himself faithful to me over and over. Yet what caught? 
by the surprise of the storm, I fume rather than show faith. So Jesus woke. The Bible says he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the thought of, hey storm, be quiet. Hey storm, stop. And this earthquake, hurricane, wind, everything goes silent. Years ago, some 20 years ago, before I was married, my wife went to Taylor University in Indiana. So I remember one day coming back, I went and visited her. I was driving back, coming down 94, going toward uh, Ann Arbor, and I had my sweet 1997 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme, two-door red. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that sweet. But I was driving down the highway 75 miles an hour. It was raining, Driving down the highway, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but when all four wheels no longer are connected to the pavement, it starts to feel weird. And I was driving down the highway, 75 miles an hour, and you just started to slide. I was by myself, and so I just remember thinking this, guardrail, tree, guardrail, and three times I went around and ended up straight as an arrow going the right direction just kept going. Remember there was a weird time right after that. Just this, like, no sound, no nothing. I still remember the semi-driver drove by me. I wouldn't look at him. But every time we hear the story in the gospel, Jesus speaks in power in the middle of the storm. And there's this quiet. What just happened? The mighty God spoke is what happened. And what I want you to hear this Christmas is that we serve the mighty God who is alive and real, and we are in relationship with him, and I'm so thankful. Listen, there are storms, and and I'd even ask, who made the storm? Jesus brings the disciples through the storm. They needed it to teach them, to grow them, to help them. And Jesus there, knowing all, even though they're like, where are you at, God? The mighty God was right there, and he spoke into the storm because he has power over the storm, And it stopped. And what's so interesting is when they woke Jesus up, he wasn't concerned about the storm. But it seems he was concerned about their response to the storm. Because he comes to him and says, don't you see what I've done Haven't you seen me in your life and here and here and here? He says, is there no faith? Verse 41 says, they, the disciples, were filled with great fear and said to one another, 
Here's the best growth community question there is. We have to make this one up. Best small group question here. Who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Who then is this? This is the most important question. Who is this Jesus? Studying this passage this week and it pointed out a psalm written long before Jesus was on earth and, 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 you know, this storm here. And so in Psalms 107, I've never seen this before, but in Psalms 107, it's, it's a parallel to this story. And I've never, and you may have said, Pastor, don't you know? No, I don't. I'm still learning and growing and trying to grow in God's word. But I was blown away, written long before Jesus. Listen to this, Psalms 107. Verse 25, it says, For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven and they went down to the depth. Their courage melted away with their evil plight. They reeled and they staggered like drunken men or, and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. And the waves of the sea were hushed. What is Psalms talking about? Psalms is speaking of God the Father. Who is all powerful creator of all. And he speaks and the storm stops. What happens in the Gospels when that baby is born and he comes to this world and he comes on the sea? He, the Son, Jesus Christ, God, speaks and the storm stops. See, what we see in the Bible is there is God the Father and he is separate from God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Right, we see, sometimes we just throw the bolt, so Jesus is Father. No, you have God the Father, you see the relationship between his Son who comes. But what the Bible clearly says is that these three are one together. And there's no illustration, no egg, no anything like that that will clearly explain that. We believe it because this is how the Bible clearly describes it. Jesus came. Mighty God, creator, sustainer, and all power over everything. So they ask the question, who is this man? If you keep reading Mark 4, Mark 5, Mark 6, you'll see the authority of Jesus, the authority over nature, over demons, over sickness, and over death. So as we look at mighty God, I I just want to challenge you with something this morning. Something that I believe is practical, and some people call me the practical pastor. I want to give you something to go, okay, what does that look like this week? See, I think as we hear the list of Christ and who he is, I think all of us should respond this Christmas to Christ in one of three ways. 
I think every single, you, you say every single one, yes, one of these three things I think all of us in here should respond in one of these three ways. The first is this. Some of you in here, Christmas needs to be a reminder of who Jesus is. You need to remember, you need to come back to remember who he is. If this Christmas season gets so busy, you move away from that, then yes, Christmas in your life is going the wrong direction. But Christmas should be a time that brings you back to Bethlehem, brings you back to the birth of Jesus, brings you back to the word of God. This season of my life, uh, my dad passed away a year ago next week. And people who love me and care for me and me and my family, they, I can't look over there, mom's over there, all right? Uh, they ask and they pray and they care for us and they go, hey, how you doing? And dad's birthday was a couple of weeks ago and dad passed. And so you have, what do you have? You have these reminders. And I tell people, for me, the dates aren't the reminders, like when I'm doing stuff, like we're redoing in my bathroom, and so I'm like, this is the reminder, because every morning I call dad, dad, how do I not flood the basement? And he would tell me how not to flood the basement, how not, he, he would just, okay, I'll come over, I'll help you with that. And so there, there are these reminders, but can I tell you, they're good reminders, because it reminds me of a man who was faithful, consistent. It reminds me of a man that, man, when we talk about the gospel, it would light up in his heart always. It's such a good reminder. It's such a wonderful reminder. And it's hard because we're separated, but I know where he's at. We'll get there one day. But that reminder, can I tell you, Christmas. I love my dad, but Christmas is even better with reminding us of Jesus, of who he is and what he did and how he has me. So for some of us, we need to be reminded. I was studying myself this week, uh, just in my own reading. I was in Romans chapter 15. And so Paul is wrapping up this book. In Romans 15, he says, I myself am satisfied about you. So Paul is finishing all of this direction for the church. And he speaks to him. He goes, hey, listen, I'm so satisfied about you, my brothers. He says that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. He's like, man, you guys are on fire. It's great. You're growing. You know the Lord. You're teaching each other. He said, but he goes on and says this. But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of, of reminder. In another translation, it says this, I have written to you because all you need is to be reminded. You you know the truth, but you can't forget and you got to keep coming back to. What's amazing with the disciples, this wasn't their only boat storm. Keep reading. There's a bunch more. What's the Lord doing? Growing them. Why? So they'll, be rem- so they'll remember 
who the Lord is. And they keep being reminded over and over again, hey, the Lord has it. So for some of us, this Christmas needs to be a reminder. For others, this needs to be a rebuild. What I mean by that is if you are honest, you've stepped away from the Lord. If you're honest, like you, you, you've accepted the Lord, you believe in the Lord, but your life isn't about Him. If that's you, I hope, I pray, there's a rebuild in your life. Again, one author says it this way, we know God can provide, but we also know how easy we can fail to turn to his provision. We know God loves us, but we also know how easy it is to forget his love. We know he gives peace that passes all understanding. But we also know how easy it is to fall into worry and despair. See, we can know these things. But if we've allowed the things of this world to eat us, to pull us away from him, then maybe this season is a rebuild. So you ask, what, what, what's a rebuild, Pat? What, what does that look like? Well, to rebuild a car, first you've got to figure out what's wrong with it. Rebuild that part. You've got to figure out what's wrong. In the rebuild of our life, we have to realize what's wrong. It's us. It's me. The Bible says, oh, wretched man that I am. The Bible says, for all have sinned. The problem is not God. It's that I have chosen to not follow God. So a rebuild is when you realize that sin and you repent. You turn away from that. Go, Lord, I'm here. Forgive me. Oh, and he graciously forgives. And God, now I want to follow you. What kind of faith casts out fear? A faith that believes the scriptural revelation about the power and the love of Christ. Do you believe in his power? Do you believe he loves you? And if you know you're saved, you can know. The Lord wants you to come back. So maybe it's a reminder, maybe it's a rebuild. And lastly, maybe for somebody in here, it's a revelation. You may pause and go, wait a minute, that's way too big of a church word. What does that mean? Well, defining revelation, it just means a surprising, previously unknown fact especially one that is made known in a dramatic way, a divine disclosure. And when I speak of revelation, what I'm talking about is what the Bible talks about in Luke 2 when Jesus is born. And they take him to the temple and Simeon picks up this baby and he says, a light for revelation to all the Gentiles. 
And so when I speak of revelation, I talk, I'm speaking of some of you need to truly hear the truth of Jesus and to accept him as Lord and Savior, to allow as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and he opens that truth that you respond with belief. And this Christmas can be the best one because you can respond to the wonderful counselor, mighty God by receiving him as Lord and Savior. See, Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, he came to this world to go to the cross for you. He went to the cross and he died on the cross He made the payment for our sin. The Bible says, if you will believe, not a phony, fake belief, that's not what we're talking about. Not a ritualistic, I said something, I'm good. No, no. Believing changes everything, it's a belief that Jesus defeated death and rose again and he's my savior see i heard a pastor speak about jesus on the subject and he said hey if you're here looking for a religion where you can take god and put him in your pocket and carry him around and take him out whenever you want to you don't want christianity If you're looking for a religion that you can just kind of form and make god into what you wanted to be this is not what you're looking for We don't worship a God you put in a box. We worship the holy, creator, perfect God. Who loves you. Who died on the cross. Who calls you into a relationship with him. So that in this world and in this life that's going to have storms and waves and hurricanes. You may live a life knowing Jesus, the almighty God, is with me. So what will this Christmas be? Will you remember? Maybe rebuild? Or maybe today the revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is becomes real to you and you believe in him. I think one of those is for every one of us in here. Will you stand please? As I close, I just wanna, I took you to Psalms 107, read you that parallel story about the storm. The last two verses I didn't read, and I want to read that, and I'm going to pray. The Bible says in verse 31, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. 
as the worship team comes, know that we don't just sing a song at the end because it's what you're supposed to do. We sing a song to respond to the Lord because He is good. As we gather in the congregation of believers, we sing praise to the mighty God. Jesus, thank you. We praise you. Thank you, mighty God. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.